0: imagining ghosts, worrying about the pathway to the future. But all there will ever be is what's happening here and the decisions we make in this moment, which are based in either love or fear. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. What we really want seems impossibly out of reach and ridiculous to expect, so we never dare to ask the universe for it. I'm saying, I'm the proof can ask the universe for it. Please. I can tell you from experience the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. There is.
1: my treatment plan with my tracker and now i have to finish like all my amends letters i don't have to make all the amends i just have to get all the fucking amends done and that's just it's just fucking insane so then i have to do that i have to do like three h and i panels i have a commitment a greeter commitment at legs which is just Something I, I at first would rather not do because there's like a hundred and fifty people that show up to that meeting, and then, uh, you know, man on a mission on Sunday. I guess I'm getting nominated. Some I'm people are saying they're going to nominate me for the secretary commitment. So I don't know, you guys. I it, it's just been crazy over here. It we just moved into the new building that got renovated. So I mean. I have, I, instead of having uh, only one roommate in my room, I have three now, and the dynamics of that have all shifted. But let's, I, I'll get into all that bullshit later. I'm joined with my friend, Mike. How's it going, Mike?
2: Pretty good, man. How are you?
1: I'm, <clears throat> I'm overly caffeinated and a little overly n- nicotinified. Uh, I drink a tall can of... Rockstar, in, are they in the Endurance?
2: The Exdurance ones? The Exdurance. Yeah. The, the Imitation Bangs?
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems like ever since Bang came out, there's all these knockoff brands. There's Rain, there's these Rockstar Endurance, there's Quake. And I've tried them all. But this new one, they have regular Rockstar Endurance, and then they have the tall can, and it's 400 milligrams of caffeine, which is like...
2: It's like liquid Adderall.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, it's like four Red Bulls. I'm, and it's kind of giving me rock gut right now, and I'm just super wiry and uh, not in a comfortable way. I take yeah, this
2: I used to. I used to take like a hundred milligrams of Adderall and chase it down with the bangs.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That they're the perfect combination. But if you overdo it, like I've had, meth induced, heart attacks before on at least two different occasions and it felt like i was getting stabbed in the fucking heart like it was scary shit like oh and i was drinking large like portions of energy drinks with with my you know my meth induced injections which in hindsight was not the best decision because you're already doing meth so it's like you really need to throw an energy drink and caffeine in the mix it's really unnecessary but i guess that's I mean, I guess I'm an addict, and I take everything to the extreme. So yeah,
2: I took 300 milligrams of Adderall in one sitting one time, and when Ex- you get when you get at that point, you almost get like blurred vision.
1: Yeah, I would get jumpy vision. My eyes would jump around, and I couldn't yeah. focus. Like, ugh, ugh. I don't know, man. Uh, were they the extended release or the instant the release? The release? Oh God. Yeah,
2: didn't eat for three days. I, I only drank energy drinks. And, uh, <laughs> They they said like I was in sober living at the time, and they said by the third day they really like, they caught on to it because I wasn't coming up to going to any of the meals, and they looked at my eyes and they said that dude there was no color in your eyes like your eyes were just oh the uh, like, yeah full eclipse dilated you're blackballing yeah I had like no you're all no pupil irises. like no had, like, iris yeah. yeah
1: holy how did you get your hands on Adderall in a sober li- was it sober living or yeah. you- how did you get your hands on Adderall
2: so I used to uh, I used to live on the street. Called uh, Oceano, which oh. is d- directly parallel to the uh, City College, Santa Barbara City, Santa Barbara college. City college. Okay, and Oceano is known for um, it's known for um, nomadic uh, college living. So what that means is like usually people they're only there for about like two years. Yeah, and it's the like a two years. Between is like eighteen to twenty one, so it's like. It's like prime like high school and not not prime like college age kids.
1: And so there's a sober living basically right next to this community college or
2: no no, I mean that's just where I got all my connections from. Because like most people it's like the most highly abused drug there besides like, you know, cocaine. Oh for sure. And, um, and alcohol, but yeah. yeah. And I had a neighbor that um had scripts for this kind of stuff and he also was able to get like all these party drugs. He can get like press pills, so he had a Tor browser. So he was able to go On the he, on the deep he only, web he was only able to go on the deep web and he ordered a bunch of stuff. Like a lot of drugs like we used to get from the Netherlands. So Really? We would, yeah. So it would take like a week for it to get there. But I mean Holy this stuff shit. was like like ninety percentile pure like cocaine. When you get it at that at that purity, it's like almost like a different drug.
1: Oh. Like you for could, sure. like
2: it feels different. Like it's like almost like moist kind of. Oh it's my like God. when it breaks down, it's like a mother of pearl.
1: Like, I've heard that description yeah. before. So, um, so he he hooked you up. Yeah. What what drew you to to do that much Adderall in a sober living? I would be paranoid as fuck. Um,
2: well, when I went into sober living, because um, my parents had like caught on to what I was doing, I was spending so much money. Like I used to work full time at Bonds. Okay. And uh, I was a checker, and I also I also worked in the liquor department. Oh, fuck. and sometimes I was working. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I always had access to really really nice bottles. I always drank really top shelf stuff.
1: What was your what alcohol of choice were were you drinking? Uh,
2: my favorite one was Stoli Elite.
1: Was that whiskey?
2: No, it's a vodka. Oh. oh. It's like really pure 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 vodka. Like you okay. can throw it into some cranberry juice, and it will just taste like really. It was cranberry smooth. Juice. It was super smooth.
1: Nice. Okay, so you're at the sober living, and what made you decide to take Adderall? Like
2: because um, I like to do screenwriting. Like that's what I went to college for. It was uh, to be really? a screenwriter. Yeah, oh, I wanted to go. My my profession was uh, writing for television. So I always wanted to get like a contract with like you know Netflix or Hulu or I've been writing since I was twelve years old. Oh cool. I knew I wanted I wanted to write movies at that point, but it wasn't until like my early twenties where I decided I wanted to. Uh, to write for television, okay, because I just got really into like you know the short like episodic format, okay, you know, like the half hour comedy and the hour long drama.
1: Uh huh. And so, so is, is there anything that triggered you to like be like oh I'm gonna take Adderall like I'm like fuck it like was there? the
2: first time someone actually gave it to me they gave me I think it was twenty milligrams in the house. Drink. No, no. It, I was working at Trader Joe's at the time.
1: Oh. Okay. And I
2: remember I was out pushing carts. And it just suddenly hit me, and everything felt like it was just, like, not like a video game, but, I mean, it just felt like... Super focused. Yeah, I was, like, super focused on, like, everything. I was just super, super on point. And I remember it was, like, an eight-hour day, and by the time, like, that eight hours was over, I was like, that's it.
1: And I still, like, I (laughs) You wanted to keep going. Yeah,
2: like, I went home, and, like, I called some friends that I hadn't talked to, talked to people online I hadn't talked to in a while. Like, it was just, a full-on, like... I was just, like, I don't want to say, like, I was
1: spun, but I was, like, spun. Yeah, it's, it's it like... It was a
2: clean spun, though.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean...
2: It was just such a clean... I felt like I found... It was, like, a Limitless kind of thing. It was, like, it was like that kind of thing. That's what
1: Limitless is like, pretty yeah. much based on, you know, that and, like, nootropics. What... Let me ask you this. What do you find the differences are between, you know, the sober livings that you've been to and the program you're in now?
2: Um, just, there's just so much more program elements to where we're at right now. I mean, sober living is pretty much just, like, they have, like, certain, like, it's just, like, you have certain, like, a curfew, like, a certain amount of meetings you have to go. There's a lot more, uh, flexibility, but, um... You work, you you pay
1: rent. Yeah.
2: But the problem with sober living is, like, when I went to sober living, I didn't want to stay sober. The only reason why, I'll, I'll get to that, but the reason why I got into sober living is because my parents... My dad had caught on to the fact that I was doing drugs because mm-hmm. even though I was getting paid every week working at bonds like full time, nice. I still could not make my paycheck. I could never make my paycheck last seven days.
1: Because you're spending it on drugs. Yeah.
2: And they knew I was spending it on like Coke. And sometimes I'd pay more than $100 a gram.
1: Yeah. It can get up and to And also that like
2: I was converting all my money to Bitcoin. And the funny thing about oh, Bitcoin, shit. the exchange rate is it takes $36,000 $36, for one Bitcoin. That's the exchange rate. Uh, currently? Yeah, currently it's thirty six thousand U. S. To one bitcoin.
1: Yeah, but it started at like astronomically lower. Yeah,
2: so that's why a lot of people that invested in Bitcoin when it came out are like super rich.
1: Yeah, but it hasn't. It's been fluctuating like randomly. That's where
2: it, that's where it was at recently. Last time I checked.
1: Holy shit! And this
2: was like right before I got here, and I've been here like four months. And so
1: you still have Bitcoin?
2: I don't have any Bitcoin anymore now. You sold it? Yeah.
1: Holy shit, dude!
2: But um. Yeah, I mean, I was, like, there's not, like, you know, usually drugs, usually the hard drugs usually stay in your system for about 72 hours. Well, I can tell you I lived there for, like, two years, and there's not one time in that two years where you could have, like, tested me, and I wouldn't have been dirty for something.
1: So you got away with a lot of shit.
2: Oh, I got away with a lot of stuff.
1: Was there a lot of people using in the house, too?
2: Well, no, I'm talking about the two years that I was that I Oh, was on the Oceano. street. Oh, okay. No, so what I would do at sober Living is, like, I would wait for them to test me. And then I would use right after they tested me because I figured the probability of them testing me the next 72 hours is probably very low. So I was kind of playing. Especially if you
1: pass your test, they're going to have the spotlights off you. But
2: the problem is, is that like the reasons why I got caught is because it's not always the test that gives it away. It's your behavior. Oh, for sure. You just, like, there's just something, like, you, it's just kind of like, you know, the Snickers thing. It's just like, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> you're not you when you're loaded. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's, I can't even, I can't even really describe it. Because to me, you like, f- when they, when they pulled me down, like, the first time that I got caught for being on 300 milligrams Adderall, I thought I was completely fine. I, but, thought, I, I thought I looked fine. Oh, yeah. But they were like, no, you, like, looked completely, and, and if you're, like, one of, like, 40 people that's, that's like using and no one else is, you're going to stick out like a, like a highlighter in a book. You're going to stick <laughs> out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. And, and I've noticed that, like, I mean, when people have gotten caught like It's just like, if I were, if
2: I was to do that here, if I was to oh, be yeah. on Adderall here, I'd be a dead giveaway. Especially like, cause like one of the things I really like enjoy is like coming down for like the meal times. Well, Adderall makes it so you can't like eat. Yeah. So someone would know that something was up.
1: Or if you came down too early or, yeah, yeah like... And, you, yeah, just the way people... I would
2: not want to be... I would not want to be loaded in the place that we're at right I'd now. I'd
1: be terrified. That would, yeah, that would I'd have not be fun at all. I'd have just such bad anxiety. Yeah. And then you, I'd get stuck in my own... Head, especially on a stimulant, I'd get stuck in my own head and yeah. think, do they know, do they know? Yeah. I mean, I...
2: Uh, you know, one thing I was always afraid of and one thing that I actually always used to give it away was my eye contact. My eye contact is, like, super weird. It's, like, either I'm looking at them too long... Or it's like you're oh, like not looking like at them at all. It's like I want to walk past the desk and not look at him at all. Or maybe I should just glance at him quick and then glance away. And then you overthink so like, that way. It's just like, am I being suspicious? Am I being weird right now? Yeah. And it's like if you're already in that mode where it's like, then am I, you, then my, the answer's probably yes. Weird, yeah. Then you're definitely giving off weird <laughs> vibes because I read people very well, mm-hmm. and I'd like to say that like you know these guys are like doing this professionally, and I think yeah. they can like they can spot. I mean, it takes one to know. Him. Oh, I mean, they've yeah. done all the same exact stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it's very, <clears throat> very difficult to hide anything in this, like, inpatient we're at now. Like, I, I mean, and and even when I had my secret cell phone, I was always looking over my back. I was always paranoid. I would be in the bathroom for 45 minutes, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I, I knew it was a matter of time. You know what's crazy is the day... The day I got caught with my cell phone, I was actually going to sign out after the program day was over and I had cash in hand at two forms of ID. I was going to go get a P.O. box. So the day I was going to do that and get my cell phone out of the house, I got I got caught with it or they found out I had it and they interrogated the fuck out of me. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I was such an idiot because I thought. I could talk my way out of the situation like I usually used to when I was out on the streets, but no, that was not the case. Like, they they picked apart my story, found all the holes in it, and I was just like, you know what? It's not even worth it anymore. I'm just gonna just give up my phone. And it's like, I mean, granted, if I really fucking wanted to, I could go and get an Obama phone or whatever, but it's like, I don't, I, I got six months until I can have a phone again, so it's like, it's not even worth it to me anymore. You know, like, I mean... It's just 26 weeks. Yeah. And yeah.
2: a week, a week a goes, like, goes by really quick.
1: And if I really need to, I can go to the <laughs> library and get on the internet. I mean, what I really miss is my fucking laptop and being able to, like, do work. Because th- those computers at the library are slow as shit. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's whatever, dude. The time goes by faster than I think. But it, it, it's really uh, a surreal experience being here. Because I've never been to Inpatient before. I never did sober living before, you know. And you know, uh I mean, I've I've acclimated well. I, I I would like to think I have acclimated well. I mean, there's been like at least 10 people that have left since I've been here, but it's like still strange because it's like it's like a fucked up like reality TV show like Survivor or something. It's like people are doing this, people are doing that, and it's just like I I I'm just like, oh, maybe I could get away with something, but it's like, I just, at this point, I'm like, I'm like, the, the risk greatly out, outweighs the reward. So it's like, for me, it's just like, I try to just mind my own business and my P's and my Q's and just, just stay out of all the fucking gossip and drama. But that's hard because energies from other people literally rub off on you here. So I. I don't know, um, dude. Do, but you know what I'm most in want like interested in is is your backstory because I've only heard it a few times. I've heard you lead at meetings if, a little bit, but mm-hmm. like you know, <laughs> this is your first time being on uh, this podcast, let alone you probably first time being on any podcast. Um, unless I'm no, uh, you're you're correct. So um, for everyone listening, getting to know you, uh, why don't you just like give us your backstory? Like, how did you get into drugs? What, like, what drugs did you get into and, and where did that road like take you is what I want to know mainly at, you know, off, like, starting off.
2: So uh, I'm going to start off by saying that I'm a late bloomer.
1: How I'm, old are you right now?
2: I'm 32. Okay. I'm 32 and I started this whole journey when I was 17, so this would be 2004. Okay. And I uh, started with uh, weed.
1: Like, yeah, like most of us, yeah.
2: So, and that was only for about a year. So, it was the summer between sophomore and junior year. Okay. So, half my high school life, I would never touched anything. I was pretty straight edge.
1: That's funny, because I was straight. I was a little straight edge punk kid at first. And, yeah, I don't know. But, anyway, please continue.
2: Um, So, I got into that when I was, um... It was, like, a couple days after my, um... My seventeenth birthday. Actually, I actually remember like the first date that I actually got loaded. I remember like my sobriety date. I remember the day when my uh, when my using started. Mm -hmm. It was July thirteenth, two thousand four. Okay. So from July thirteenth, two thousand four to March twenty sixth of this year, twenty nineteen. Oh wow! So holy shit! It's been almost almost a fifteen year run.
1: Not bad. Okay, so I mean, so you just smoked weed for a little bit, or like how did it how did that evolve? Like, you just got into like so the next thing I
2: did was uh ecstasy. Okay, I didn't go to my junior prom, but I threw a party at my house Mm -hmm. after party.
1: What town is this?
2: This is in Napa, Napa, California.
1: And what it, I mean, when I think Napa, I think. You know, wineries and, and you know, grapevines and all that stuff. Yeah. Is that pretty much...
2: So, Napa pr- pr- uh, produces 1% of the world's wine, oh, which shit. is a lot.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: And um, Napa's about the same size as Santa Barbara. We have about 300 wineries.
1: Holy shit.
2: So, um, So there's a lot of drinking going on there. Like it's like wine's like a monopoly there. So, I was uh, raised around alcohol at a very young age. Okay. Okay. Um, so alcohol was probably the second thing that I did. Mm-hmm. I remember my first drink too it was a kettle one and orange juice. Kettle one screwdriver. Nice. Was my first drink. So nice. I started I I grew up um not rich, but both my parents had a six figure. I grew up in the six figure range. They're well off. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I grew up around a lot of like top shelf stuff. Oh wow. Grew up, like... I grew up, I grew up really spoiled. Like I did I, too I ran like I I was like pretty down like I ran my I ran my first car out of oil and my parents you seized the engine I seized the engine oh, and my shit. parents bought me a car the next day
1: what kind of car did, did a you a Lincoln Continental that's what they bought you or what you had at first no I
2: had a Ford Escort at first and then they oh, got me a Lincoln Continental
1: yeah I I uh <laughs> I mistakenly let my my girlfriend drive my car once and it had no oil we had taken it out to Wazna.
2: Yeah, it starts to give, like, this certain, like, smell.
1: Oh, yeah, and you can hear it. You can literally hear the pistons uh, melting into the engine block.
2: Well, I also, like, I would floor it, like, and it would only go up to, like, 40 miles an hour. Oh, shit. And I floored it, and then, like, I knew that something was wrong. And then it started to make this sound, like, when I was going up this hill. Yeah. you have to go up this hill to get in my car. And it sounded, like, the same, like, clink, 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 as if you're, like, on a roller coaster and you're going up.
1: Yeah. And yeah. That is what seized it. Oh, my God. And then the engine's ruined at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, I ended up going out to Wasn. There's this road in uh, San Luis Obispo. It's called Wasna Road. And it's like this dirt road. But it goes out, like, you could take it for hours and hours. And it, it takes you up to this place called Stony Creek. And we would just drive out there and smoke blunts and stuff. And there'd be, like, little shacks with, like, thousands of bullet holes in it. And just, you know, ranchers that, you know, would probably shoot you if you went on their property. But I remember it was my buddy's birthday so me, my my buddy uh, Reza, DJ Reza, he taught me how to DJ. And my buddy Chris, uh, we're dr- I'm driving. I got a 40 of Mickey's in my hand. I'm drinking while driving out there. And we're passing around a fentanyl sucker. And <laughs> we're just like getting all loaded off fentanyl and booze and weed. And towards the end of this road, it goes up this giant fucking mountain. But it's like, this road is meant for you know, like lifted trucks and stuff. There's all these dips and like, you know, I, I, by the time we make it out there, it's like two hours later, you know, I'm pulling over and puking. There's, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's mountain lions out there and shit, and it's pitch black, and my dumb ass thinks, oh, dude, I can fucking I can fucking make it to the top of this hill. And I just like bottom out like over and over and over, and by the time I made it back, my oil pan was dented, my uh, transmission pan was cracked and leaking transmission fluid. And I, like, dented my header pipe. The whole undercarriage of my car was just thrashed. And uh, uh, I was out of oil. And then I let my girlfriend... Like, I, w- I went to some stupid party, uh, which was a whole story in itself. And my And I'm drunk. And so I let my girlfriend drive us back, and I was going to drive back home drunk after I dropped her off, and yeah, she seized my engine, which is basically my fault, because I should have been like, oh, I need oil, the oil lights on, but I was a teenager, I was stupid at the time, but um, anyway, so did you, so you said you tried ecstasy, did you get into like the club scene, or the rave scene, is that like kind of how you transitioned, or was it just like hanging no, out? No, a little
2: bit later I did, yes. Okay, so... Like, EDM hadn't, like, blown up in the same way that it has in, like, the last 10 years back then. Oh, yeah, uh, it was
1: still kind of underground. So
2: I got really, like, in around, like, 2010, 2011, I got really heavy into dubstep because I had friends that started making it. Okay. So I had friends that started making dubstep, and they would throw these things called renegades, which are like raves out in the woods. Yeah. They bought like a, a secret gener- forest rates. Generators. generators. I've been there and done that. Yeah. Those are Maybe awesome. We'd, go, we'd get like these little Honda generators. Mm-hmm. And that's these. exactly the yeah. same ones. So yeah, um, dubstep, drum and bass, uh, electro house sometimes, but um, and that's when I started getting really into Molly.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
2: Like it's just like that music just complements that it's like so much. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah and yeah, pressed e pills were by two thousand nine, two thousand ten. They were getting kind of phased out and like powdered Molly or even th- there's like sassafras and all that shit yeah. was getting. I've injected Molly before and it was fucking intense.
2: Yeah, um, I've been on almost like too much Molly.
1: Oh yeah, me I've too. I've taken like
2: half a gram of Molly at one at one point and that was like, like a five lot. hits. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of Molly.
1: Um probably you're probably doing cocaine too and you know I didn't
2: get into cocaine until until I moved to Oceano actually In I didn't Santa get into, co- yeah I didn't get to co- into cocaine till I was about 27 really yeah so I was you were definitely you were... a late bloomer with that but once I once I got into it I got really into it it was around <laughs> a lot more it was around it was it was more socially acceptable to do that than to do like Molly really the time. but I was the kind of guy that like I mean and I showed early signs of being an addict. That's like I would I would use just if I was bored, if I had the money, and like I wasn't doing anything. And if it's available, and, then, and it's if available, your friends have it, and it was yeah. available anywhere, I can like it's the kind of place where you can go walk, like all the different apartment complexes. I mean, it's like Del Playa, like in yeah. La Vista. It's like there's a bunch of different complexes. People are up super late. I can go to if I want to go to my friend's house at like three o'clock in the morning. Someone's gonna be up. Someone has like some coke.
1: Were you going to college? I was. San or Santa Barbara City College? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I could imagine, like, for me when I first went to college, I did not take it seriously. I was like I was like given the free reins of freedom that I'd never had before and I just I ran with it. And I had shit. a show that
2: I was working on with a friend. I had a director. No shit. Yeah. It was a TV show? Through, yeah, it was backed by an independent production company, yeah.
1: No shit. Yeah. So what happened with that?
2: Well he got really heavy he was the guy that got me heavily heavily into cocaine. And um, we were starting pre-production and, like, people started coming, like, to our apartment looking for him because he got a lot of stuff fronted. He was doing oh, so much that he, uh, that he couldn't uh, maintain, he couldn't pay for his habit. And then he just moved out of town.
1: He just dipped. It he was just a dipped.
2: Big... He just dipped. I think he owed that much.
1: What, what so was... So I was just
2: still in the writing process.
1: Yeah. What was the premise for the show?
2: So it was a, it was like a psychedelic comedy. It was called Murphy's Law Anarchist. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's what it was called. And what it was, it was, it was like a, it was a concept that I created. It was a, it was going to be like a new genre. It was a Neapolitan comedy. So it was a half hour comedy and it had three different 10 minute skits, all with like the same characters, but th- three different premises. Holy so they shit. were like linear. So it was like each episode would have three different mini episodes in it. So that's where the Neapolitan came from. Like the like chocolate. Yeah. yeah, strawberry. Three flavors. Yeah. So that's what I was going to start to, that's what I was going to start to push.
1: So you and him are just binging out on cocaine. I mean, I'm sure a lot of screenwriters already take large m- stimulants like cocaine and Adderall to get yeah. through writing. Yeah. Because you can, you're just more. You get more. out I wouldn't want to
2: write if I was on Molly. Molly, I did more for like entertainment.
1: Yeah, I'd get super distracted on Molly. But um. So wait, he moves out, he dips out, and now you're left, and you're almost about to get this like screenplay like like rolling, but he's gone. So then what? Like, what did you do?
2: I mean, at that point, I kind of went off the deep end, you know? Yeah. My friends, like, you know, kind of, like, you know, they said they saw it coming. Because they were also, fr- like, he was also living with me. Like, he was he was friends with some of the guys in my apartment complex. Uh-huh.
1: You guys were roommates. Yeah. That probably could, that event in itself probably triggered, it, it was and probably contributing.
2: About, yeah, and I don't really talk about my whole, like, screenwriting thing. Mm-hmm. Because it never really took off. Mm-hmm. but I mean that's what I want to get back into I, mean, I wanted to do it since I was 12 years old you should you know, and I'm 32 and I don't want to reinvent my life like 20 years later you know what I mean yeah I put like 20 years into that for nothing
1: no I mean yeah
2: but uh it was just kind of embarrassing I mean I told everybody that like I had this thing that was kind of like greenlit it wasn't like greenlit in the sense of, like we didn't have a budget mm-hmm. you know what I mean like, but I was, people were were taking notice of it people were taking notice of it yeah
1: yeah that's fucking amazing
2: like, I would edit people's, like, I would edit people's scripts, like, when I was at the City College. Like, people that were in film. Like, oh, really? Had, like, little short stories and stuff like that. They'd give me their screenplays, and I would, I would reformat them and, like, edit them just to make sure they were in the proper format. Yeah. Because they're very strict about stuff like that.
1: Yeah, there's a whole etiquette on how you have to format yeah. your screen. Out
2: of every hundred scripts that are submitted in Hollywood, only five are even considered. Holy shit. So, like, the margin is very... Like, even if your margins are wrong, like, they'll throw it out because there's so many that they have to go through that they can only sift through the ones that are, like, done, like, properly.
1: Oh, that's fucking crazy. So are you planning on going to back to school for that? Yeah. That's fucking badass. Are you writing... Are you? Do you have any ideas you're thinking of or write, working on now?
2: Um, I mean, I was always thinking about going back to that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to do. I here. had like
2: thirty six episodes written. You do you still 30, have them. Thirty six episodes. Yeah, I have them on my on my Celtics drive, so I just have to like
1: get get access to it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I had twelve like half hour episodes, which means there was thirty six mini episodes. Because like I said, there thirty six. There was. Like, oh yeah. Because each episode had three, three mini ones. It was like a little barushka doll. Like each episode had like three so I don't know those Russian Bruce That would
1: be interesting to see how that would play out because you wrote a lot of it under the influence, and now you're clean. Yeah. So it would be really interesting to see the first that like what you have now, actually like in, as a finished product, and then the the rest of it that you've written since like you know, since getting clean. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, I love writing, but, uh, and I had a well I was working on a script but it was for a movie and it was kind of like a psychological thriller and it was about my uh, last time I got hit with Narcan and I was in a bad meth psychosis and um... funny thing is well it's not funny it was actually really dark but I was uh, my parents were on vacation and um... so I was just letting my dealer just like trap out at my house <laughs> And crashed there because he was like, you know, hot, you know, he was trying to hide out from the law because they were, you know, catching on to him. And he was just feeding me uh, heroin and meth. And uh, I ended up quitting my job because I was just sick of it. And um, one day, and we were we we're throwing parties at my house, just being fucking idiots in the wild. Like and a shooting gallery? It was, like well, those kind of parties? no, no, it wasn't really a shooting gallery party because most of the people who invited over were like coke heads and like alcoholics, you know. It was more like socially acceptable parties, but I was, you know, in the bathroom shooting up, hiding it from everybody. And then when all the people would leave him and I, he would smoke like, he would smoke meth and he didn't really do heroin, but I would be like just shooting goofballs. And uh, it was like a week long, two week long run. And uh, at the end of it, you know, my parents are going to be back in three days. I'm trying to, like, clean the house, but I'm just, like, so fucked up. I'm just pacing back and forth in my room, getting nothing done. I've been up for days. You know, I'm probably... I'm, like, hearing voices, seeing shadow people. And then uh, it was crazy because um, I shot up and I fell out, like, a half hour later. I didn't, like, shoot up and then instantly fall, like, like go out. So I fall out and... Um, uh, we I was in the downstairs, my bedroom was downstairs, and we had a guest bedroom upstairs, and uh, my dealer had told me, he's like, yeah, it was eerily quiet, and it was like just, it was suspiciously quiet, so he goes down in my room and sees me, and I'm just laying on the ground, foaming at the mouth, and I'm just dead, like, who knows how long I was out for, but uh, he he, like, if he wanted to, my dealer could have essentially took on my phone, erased all our texts and messages to each other, and just left me for dead. And I think he almost did that at first, but I think he kind of knew that, like, forensics would follow back to him. I mean, his DNA was all over the house or prints or whatever. And um, so he ended up calling this guy. He didn't even call 911. He called this guy who was, like, he's this junkie in, local junkie in town named Mike. And Mike knew... He just had a shit ton of Narcan and Naloxone. And he would go around just fucking hitting people with Narcan and saving their lives. He was like the rescue junkie. So he calls up Mike and he's like, he's dead. He's dead. And so Mike's like, where are you at? And thank God like he lived right down the street. He shows up with his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, they try to hold my body under my shower and like douse me with cold water. I'm just, nothing's working. I'm out of it. Like I'm pretty much pronounced dead at that point, and I think by the time he noticed me overdosed to the time they had hit me with Narcan, I was out for like a good 10-15 minutes, like I, I wasn't breathing, I, they were probably giving me mouth to mouth, because I would have had like serious brain damage if I wasn't breathing for that long, and they fucking injected me with four bottles of Naloxone to bring me back and I just come out of it I can't even see, I have like tunnel vision, like I, and I'm soaking wet and don't know why And I'm in instant withdrawal Just like what the fuck like happened And they're like telling me what happened And uh, I'm like dude I'm fucking I'm like shivering And they end up getting They have like a dab rig And they dab me out with some tar To bring me out of the withdrawal So they're, I'm taking fat hits of fucking heroin To come out of the withdrawal And finally after like the third or fourth hit I pop up on my feet I'm like oh I feel way better Thanks And uh I don't even know, I was still kind of out of it, and I was like, man, like, thank you, like, you know, there's no, I I said something like, there's no price, like, there's no value on my life, my life is priceless, and I guess they had pilfered through my wallet, they said to look at my ID, and they're like, oh, you got a $100 bill in your wallet, and I guess I was so out of it, I was like, yeah, take my 100 bucks, dude, you just saved my fucking life, you know, (laughs) and they're like, okay, and so... The next day, I was like, where the fuck did my $100 go? And so then I had to, like, dude, it was just a nightmare. I had to try and clean my house and get everything straightened up. And uh, my parents got home, and I was still a little out of it because I had some leftover uh, ice, and I was smoking that to try and get the house together, doing cotton shots to, like, taper down. And uh, I, I made the, well, I guess it was a mistake, but in hindsight, I guess it was a good thing. But I told my sisters about my overdose, and one of my sisters Snitched me out to my my parents and they found out that I had overdosed while they were on vacation in uh, D.C. And that kind of... uh, I mean, I'd gotten in trouble for drugs before (laughs) here and there. But that was like the point where they were like scheduling an intervention for me, you know. Uh, Because I should have died that day. I should be dead. But, you know, somehow by the grace of whatever the fuck is out there, the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, I fucking... uh, I fucking... I came out of it, and what was crazy is I saved the bottles of naloxone. I had only found three of the four bottles of naloxone because they're like, yeah, we had to hit you four times. And I was like, where the fuck is that missing bottle of naloxone? And then two weeks later, I'm cleaning my room, and I decide to look under my bed, and not only do I find the fourth missing bottle of naloxone, but I found a loaded rig under my fucking bed. Like... And I was like, "Oh shit!" That because I, what I would do is I would cook up really fat shots, shots that you can't take all at one sitting. But then I would piggyback like ten or twenty CCs into fresh rigs, and because uh, I didn't want to have to keep cooking over and over, so I found that and I piggyback some more, and it was an instant relapse, you know. So I talk about that story on um, on Dopey because I had told Dave from Dopey the dopey podcast i was like oh dude i I overdosed and he had me on to tell that story and i had not uploaded any episodes of nod squad at that point but by then it was like it was like i was like all right i gotta start uploading all these episodes we recorded and then i think because i think thankfully because dave had me on dopey i got this podcast started up but um you know Let's get back to your story. I'm sorry for the sidetrack, but uh, no, it's all right. Uh, you uh, so by then, you're, you're starting to, like your friend skips town because he owes shit tons of money for coke. This this the script and the screenplay and everything is kind of put on hold, and you kind of like dive into drugs. Like, were you still doing cocaine, or did you start experimenting with other drugs?
2: No, I was still doing cocaine, Adderall, and uh, Molly. Yeah.
1: Okay, but you eventually did started getting into heroin, though, right?
2: I did. I, okay, started, so, I started doing goofballs.
1: Really? Um, so, So, yeah. I mean, it, tell me how you got into that, because, like, I mean, co- to make the jump from cocaine and Adderall to meth, or meth and heroin, like, you just started going from that to meth and heroin at once, or did so, you? So,
2: no, I mean, I did meth and heroin um, for the first time in 2014.
1: And had you ever done heroin or meth before?
2: So, when I... No. So, what I... I had done heroin before. I would smoked it for, like, a year. So, when okay. I... I moved to Santa Barbara when I was 25 in 2012. Okay. didn't know anybody. I was absolutely miserable. Um, wasn't until about six months later that uh, I'm, I moved into, like, my own apartment. Okay. I moved out of, like, my dad's place and moved into uh, my own apartment. Okay. Kind of close to Oceano. Yeah. Also close to... Um, like the Mesa close to um, the City College. Yeah, yeah. And the guys there had... Um, my roommates there had uh, OxyContin. Okay. And their OxyContin script ran out, and they weren't able to renew it, because this is right around the time. This was 2013, like, when they were cracking down on they the They were Oxy. busting
1: doctors and yeah. shit, yeah.
2: I would take, like, 80 milligram Oxy's. Yeah, the green ones. Like, yeah, and they're almost like... If you take 80 milligram... I didn't think those... They look super small, but... But they pack fooled. a punch. I mean, they are... Like, I was literally, like... Like you, they get you like too high. Yeah, especially you if your like tolerance is low. Like too high. Yeah, I had no tolerance at that point.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, so did you get nauseous off of them? Oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: I, it would feel really good to smoke a cigarette mm-hmm. on them, and then right when I put the cigarette out, I go in. It's just like, oh my god, where's the toilet? I hope someone's not using it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's it felt like... really good after I I threw up.
1: Even I during my like, vomit sessions on Oxy, there was still, like,
2: yeah. felt amazing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, after when I flushed toilet, I'd be like, yeah, let's do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah. No. So, So when they ran out, I got introduced to my friend that's actually a graduate of this program.
1: Oh, okay. I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah.
2: And um, helped me get into this. And uh, he introduced me to black tar heroin. And at the time, we were smoking it off of foil. Okay. Yeah. And when I met him, he didn't have anything. Like he had, literally, just had a backpack on him. Mm-hmm. And I let him stay in my apartment. I let him stay in my car. I had a BMW. What kind of BMW? It was a three twenty nine i. Nice. Three twenty five i.
1: Oh, that's sick.
2: Um, and at this point, I was anticipating on getting a student loan. So okay. I Got I got an unsubsidized student loan for ten thousand dollars. Nice. And. I had an idea. I was like, "Hey, you know, you have all these connections. I was like, "Why don't we just buy stuff in bulk? So we bought a bunch of fentanyl and we bought a we bought a bunch of we bought a bunch of heroin. And the thing with like when you buy like an ounce of heroin, it, it's twenty five grams, not twenty eight. They measure it, it's they measure it differently. Oh weird. Yeah, it's really weird. Anyway, um, so we started selling that, and so we always had like a lot of money. Like I would, I would have him drive around in my BMW when I was out. This is still I was still at Trader Joe's. Okay. And um, you know I was working like five, six hour shifts. Yeah. And he'd come pick me up in my car, like after like driving around all day, like and and we were like supporting like our. I didn't even, at that point. I didn't even have to work at Trader Joe's. Yeah. I was making so much money just from like the heroin and the fentanyl. What kept you at
1: Trader Joe's?
2: Um, just was it like a front to ke- yeah.
1: to keep appearances. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I
2: just didn't. I, I I liked working there.
1: Yeah. And plus you're doing you you're smoking heroin, so it's yeah. like
2: but I, I mean I didn't get along with my uh my main manager, like she just for some reason like didn't like me she always gave me like bad like, reviews, and then like, they kind of like caught on maybe they caught on to the fact that I was like
1: loaded like loaded yeah okay, so you're selling heroin, and wait, you bought fentanyl too what were you were you uh cutting the heroin with fentanyl or were you just selling fentanyl by itself?
2: We were using the fentanyl like as our personal
1: oh no way. Yeah and just selling the heroin.
2: Yeah. We were doing we were doing both. We just we just had the opportunity to buy both, so we had both. What do you think is
1: the difference what would you say is the difference in the high or the feeling in the, fentanyl well, than in the heroin? Well, the
2: fentanyl it's just it's like it's kind of like the difference between, like regular vape and like salt. It's just it easy, just it just it's just it, more highly concentrated and it's just easier to like overshoot the mark on the fentanyl.
1: Did you overdose on the fentanyl at all? No. Are you smoking the fentanyl?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, on foil? Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, so you're making money and your your homie is helping you. So what what ended up happening? Like how wh-
2: one night we got pulled over in Carpinteria after oh, after up after going to our friend's house. Yeah. Um and we had the rest of it at our apartment. And he, um, I was, like, so fucked up that I couldn't drive, so I let him drive. Oh, shit. But at the time, he was number three on Santa Barbara's list for Most Wanted. He had that much of a criminal record. Oh, so it's fuck. like he knew that if he got pulled over, and he didn't have a license.
0: Oh, shit. And he knew that if
2: he got pulled over, he was definitely going to jail. He was going 10 miles over the speed limit. It was 3 in the morning in Carpinteria. Oh, no. We saw red and blue lights behind us, and he's yeah. like, oh, yep, yeah, I'm going to jail. So he pulled over. Um, they get, they, they, they get out, they search me, I have, like, a few thousand dollars on me. Holy fuck. And they asked, like, what's this for? And I was like, oh, I was just, I'm gonna be paying rent tomorrow. And they're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. And then, uh, they searched my back pocket, I had a little tiny piece of foil. Oh, shit. And they asked me, like, what's this for? And then it's like, oh, well, I was, I was wrapping sandwiches earlier. And then the cop looked at me <laughs> it's and It's like, said, not, it's
1: so and, much smaller than the size of being, a like, sandwich. The,
2: the, the cop looked at me and he said, well, how big were the sandwiches that you were <laughs> making? Like it was like literally just like super small, Oh my and God. then they searched my other pocket, and I had like a little straw. Like for you know, that was that was cut in half, yeah, for tuning. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I give up. I'm and the, so- the, the The foil has been used. It's had like track marks on it. Yeah. Like so.
1: You could have said that these are for the little drinks I was making. Yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So wait, did they arrest you too? They did. Okay.
2: They took me to the drunk tank.
1: Oh really? They took me
2: to the nod tank. I like to call it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But they but they released you in the morning. Did they charge you?
2: Uh, I got like got eleven five fifty. Which is. Uh, it was just like diversion. Para,
1: para, para, paraphernalia charge. Yeah. Basically. So I got like
2: I got like diversion classes. I had to go to. What like... happened to your
1: friend? He got some heavy time though. So my friend. Uh... You didn't have any drugs in the car though. You just had. No. That and no. some money.
2: Yeah. No. Did
1: they confiscate? He it? had
2: drugs in him.
1: Oh. So he had to take those. To jail so with sold some in jail. Oh shit.
2: And I bailed him out of jail. The next day. Yeah. I don't remember what his bill was, but, like, I paid it. Did they give we you back your money? We that much money. So then, so then do you
1: guys just keep going on runs, or what? Or do you, like, mellow out for a second? We mellowed out for, like, a little bit. But you went back at it, I'm sure. Yeah. And so then, did you guys get, like, what happened with that? Because there has to be, I know there's something, some part in the story where it all goes awry. Like, like, what, because you, I mean... Yeah, at what point did, like, what was the event that made you, you stop uh, stop slanging? Did you guys just get too strung out and just start using, or?
2: Um, what happened was he missed the birth of his kid. Okay. And I think that just killed him. I think that was, like, the nail, that was, like, the straw that broke the camel's back for him, and that's when he decided to go into the program.
1: And he got clean. Yeah. And so you, he does that, and you're still up. Uh, getting loaded, but now you're, are you, you're like, do you still, are you still slanging in or are you just like, I mean, but I'm
2: not, you know what I mean? I'm not like, I spent like a lot of money bailing him out and yeah. that kind of like hit us pretty hard.
1: So then you just start becoming that a junkie. I mean, like,
2: yeah. Like I, like, I just wasn't like a good, like I, we needed to have like both of us.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm As not a, like
2: this, I'm not street smart like he is.
1: Yeah. So. So, so like once I
2: once I missed had that missing component that was like a big part. Then it's just like I'm just using everything for personal.
1: And, uh, and then by
2: twenty fourteen, I had lost my job at Trader Joe's. Okay. And that's when I started. Um, that's when I started shooting. Fuck. And. Right when I noticed, right when I shot it, I was like, "Oh, I can't ever go back to smoking it."
1: Of course, of course. Did you do it yourself? You registered yourself or did you No,
2: the first, so the first like 10 shots I had to had my friend help me.
1: Yeah. And then after
2: that I I gotten the I gotten the use of it.
1: That I did the exact same thing. I could I had the biggest fear of needles, but uh so I couldn't even like look, I was just like take my arm and do do what you got to do. But then I it w- I was like so sick of trying to find someone to shoot me up, I just started stabbing my fucking arm. And my girlfriend at the time, she would like was sick of having people come over to uh, hit her. So she would, like, always, like, like just bug me, like, hit me, hit me. And so I'd have to just poke around at her. And her veins are, like, thin, and they sink in deep. So I had to really, like, dig around in there to, to register. So, like, I mean, as fucked up and dark as it was, it was good practice. But yeah. uh, I remember the first, like, one, like, one of the first times... I, instead of like pointing the needle towards my arm, I pointed it away and I shot up on this big vein in my hand pointing this way. And somehow I was able to register, but then, uh, I tried to do it a second time and it hurt too much. And then everyone's like, you're doing it wrong. You idiot. So, um, so I
2: missed one time.
1: Did you get abscess or no, but I couldn't
2: like, I had like scar tissue, so I couldn't reach my hand out like this length. I can only go like this far. Uh, so when I was like walking around, like I had to, had a like, little... I had to have, I had to keep my arm at like an L shape. I had to put my hand in my pocket. <laughs> so I had to have one arm like this and one hand like this. Like I couldn't like. Gimpy. I, and sometimes when I walk around, I would walk around like this. Like your Gimpy. like you got your hand yeah. inside. Because <laughs> I couldn't like reach it out because like the scar tissue was so sensitive that it was. Oh, uh, that's fucked. Yeah, that took like a little. So a one time I got um, my my dealer didn't have any heroin, but he had like some meth. And I was thinking to myself, like, I've never done that before. Yeah. And so I've never, I, I mean, I'd um, I'd snorted it before. I'd, like, smoked it before. Yeah. I wasn't good at either one. Uh-huh. Um, and I'd never shot it before, and I was thinking to myself. And I was in my room by myself, and I was like, well, I'm going to do this exactly the same way that I that I do heroin. Uh-huh. And I did, like, maybe, like, half the rig. Mind you, I had no tolerance to it at all.
1: How much did you cook? I I don't know. It's like, unknown amount. Yeah. Holy At fuck. least a few points. Oh god! But
2: remind you, I mean, if even a few points is. Yeah, when you have
1: no tolerance and you're you slamming have no
2: tolerance. it. I was gonna say between point three and point
1: .5. What was that like?
2: So right when I, sh- when I right when I slammed it down, and it's it's easier to see when you register because it's Cause clear. clear, yeah. And so I pushed it down, and then right when I pulled down, like right when I felt like the little prick, like the needle, like coming out, I got this cough. Oh yeah. I got the cough. And then I was like, holy crap, like literally... Too much. Yeah. I had to lay down. I had to lay down for like 15 minutes. Ugh. It was just like, it was like a dirty rush. It was just so... Yeah. Insane.
1: Jesus Christ. So, so, oh my God, that's just...
2: Near the end, I didn't like the way that it made me feel. Like, I took a shower, like, later on, and then, like, just, like, the, like... Grimy. smell like...
1: Because you're sweating out all these toxins. Yeah. Oh, God. That triggered me just now hearing that. (laughs) That's Like, I couldn't
2: stand being, like, a homeless tweaker.
1: Well, yeah, because there ain't shit to do when you're homeless. Because you want to desperately find something to work on. Yeah. You know?
2: So, wait, you... My buddy Rob that, like, left here, like, after, like, five days, like, is still out there, like, doing that.
1: Oh, that's fucked. I can't imagine. Like, has, like,
2: a campsite and, like... I saw him last time, like, he has, like... So his fingernails are, like, so short. Uh-huh. That he has from like, chewing on them? from Either from chewing on them or, like, scratching stuff. Or, like, if he wanted to scratch himself, like, he couldn't. It would just be, like, the tip of his, like...
1: Ugh. Ugh. What? So, yeah, you lost your job, and you're shooting up heroin and meth at this point. What, like, do you got... You couldn't pay rent, so you got evicted, right? I was staying
2: in my dad's house. Oh,
1: you went back and moved back I went to your I back dad's. Into
2: my dad's house, like, after I got out of after I got out of
1: jail. They they had to have t- been able to tell something was the matter with you.
2: So, my dad let me stay there for a while and, like, I, and I just act like I, like I had quit.
1: Yeah. but so the, I was
2: able to hide it, but, um...
1: But they knew you were using before you moved back, right? They had They to thought hide. I just
2: had, like, one slip. They didn't think I was, like, actively using Yeah. They didn't yeah. Think I was, like, actively selling. Oh, um, shit. And... So... How I got caught was I did, like, my dad came home, and he was watching this movie, and I was in my room, and he asked, and he's like, and, like, I called from, like, outside, and he's like, you want to watch this movie? And I was like, yeah, and I just did this big, I did this fat shot of of heroin. I didn't do meth, like, very long term. I did this fat shot of heroin, and I came out and sat down, and I was nodding out as I was watching the movie. And if I just hadn't done that, I probably would have, I probably would have continued doing it.
1: Yeah. And then he just called you out and kicked you out, or...
2: No, he... What he said was, after the movie was done, like, we sat there, and he was like, how long is this gonna... How long is this gonna keep going on for? It? Yeah. So, like, he already knew. Yeah. And, like, I was... And I was just like, I don't know. And then, Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, he knew... He knew something was up. He didn't know it was something, like, that... That heavy.
1: He knew it was drugs. He didn't know what yeah. drugs. Ugh. So what was the break so then they start sending you to sober livings right
2: so no i went to a detox i agreed to go to a two-week detox and when i got out i um went to uh i went back home to my friend's house Mm -hmm. that was like he's he lives in vallejo and that's about 10 minutes away from like my hometown stayed there for about six months and my friend was like making like concentrates like he like dabs yeah so I just got like I right did the marijuana maintenance thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot, he had some psychedelics too. He got down on acid about a few times. Yeah. And at that point, I hadn't done acid in like six years. First time I did acid, I was like nineteen.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: I only took one hit my first time, and it was like really strong.
1: Ah, uh, nice. Um,
2: so I took like and I took like six year break when I got start getting more into psychedelics.
1: Six year break from heroin and meth.
2: No, six year break from psychedelics. Yeah. Oh, six year break oh, okay. From like, from like acid mushrooms.
1: And then, how, what caused you to relapse off on goofballs, or or intravenous drugs in general?
2: Um, when I got kicked out of sober living for like the umpteenth time, like, not this last time, but also this last time, but the time before that, mm-hmm. I moved into my my one of my roommates that was in my sober living. We got away with like using there for like eight months. And, like, he relapsed first. Eight months. And I was still, I, and he knew I was taking Adderall, so he knew I wasn't going to dime him out for, like, doing Yeah, because you're dirty, too. I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing, like, you know, IV drugs. I was just doing, like, Coke and, like, Adderall and stuff like that.
1: Things you thought you could get away with, And when with he Mara.
2: got kicked out, like, he went to go stay at his, like, his doctor's place. Like, his doctor, like, let him, like, have, like, this, like, place in the back of his office, like, this separate unit. No shit. Let him stay there, yeah. And, um... It's shady as fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was really cool. And then, so I went there when I got kicked out. I had nothing else to do. And, like, you know, I have, like, the allergy. So, it's like, I'm going to do something. So, I was just like, fuck, I'll, I'll do a shot. Yeah. And at that point, I had no tolerance.
1: Did um, you ever overdose at any time? I
2: overdosed one time in 2014, yeah. I, my friend gave me a shot. And I fell I fell down on my, on, on my floor. And... I can comprehend everything he was saying. He was, just he couldn't was, move was, or he talk. He above me, like snapping his fingers. He like, Mike, Mike, get up, get up. Yeah. And I understood it perfectly, but I wasn't able to respond to it. Yeah. And this was for like five minutes.
1: Did you have to get hit with Narcan? No. But you came out of it. I
2: came out of it. And he left. Make, just want to make sure I was fine. About a half hour later, I was calling him trying to get more.
1: Oh, fuck. Yeah. And... <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, 2014
2: was, like, the craziest year for me. Like, a dar- the dark year. Besides period. this year. But, I mean, this year have had, like, more, like, recovery. I mean, this year got really dark, too. But, well, I want to I mean, hear about, really that's what
1: I want to hear about, like.
2: So, 2019. So, around March, I met this guy that moved into my sober living. Mm-hmm. That they let him have a script for Adderall. He okay. He prescribed it. Yeah. And I caught a huge resentment towards this because like that was, and I wanted to take it too, but I registered that as my drug of choice. So I couldn't. Oh. And he didn't have any money and I became friends with him and then he was just like selling him. he's like, well, I'll sell it to you. And we were just, and I I was venueing him, um, or, uh, or cash happening him money for, um, he was stockpiling his meds anyways. Yeah. And so, I, and so I was buying it all from him. He eventually was doing it to more people he got really sloppy and he got kicked out for it so and I was waiting to, and I was waiting to uh, to to use it again so you know I did I did my usual thing mm-hmm. but instead of doing it and then just stopping it I just like I had so much that I couldn't like it was there I just couldn't yeah and, you know I just oh kept for doing sure it. and um, you have to sign for like these meetings like you have to make two a week Yeah. I wanted, I could have just gone down and signed and said, forged it. And and forged it. Yeah. But I was afraid to walk by the desk because I, you know, like I said, it's your behavior that that gives it away. Yeah. And I forgot to sign it and it showed that I only went to one meeting. So they considered it was in the red. So they decided to to test me.
1: Oh, Um, fuck. So you tested dirty for Adderall.
2: Yeah. And, like, they did it, like, super late at night. And it was like a couple a few it was like a couple days after. Yeah. Or it was on like the third day. And I thought like, oh, this is like the breaking point. Like I can be clean if I just drink like enough water. Uh huh. And it was like past like it was like almost like eleven o'clock at night. And they were like, Okay, we'll just test you like first thing in the morning. hmm So they wake me up at like eight o'clock in the morning and I take that and I take that chance and I knew I was fucked because like when they when they did it, they don't have to look at the cup for like that long. No, they, they can see. they were looking at it. I'm like, fuck. They're looking at this thing for too long. Yeah. And then they were just like, "All right, what's going on, Mike?" <laughs> and I tried playing stupid, and like you know, they showed me. I mean, it was just like the whole thing was like you know because they have, it has to have at least a faint line.
1: Yeah, there's two and lines. There there's like, one for the drug like, and one and there for. There was like
2: no the... line. No matter how way, shape, or form, you can you can put it under a light. There was no line. I yeah. couldn't say it. I mean, and it was just like that one drug. And I've had like a history of abuse with that drug. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got kicked out. My dad was paying my 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 dad was paying my rent like the whole time. And my dad would also put like an extra like $500 in my account every month for every month that I was clean. Uh-huh. So I had thousands of dollars. Holy like, saved shit. Up. And I had a lot of money going out. And my dad and I have like a joint account. Yeah. Because my, my credit score was so bad. That, like, I wasn't able to, I was on check systems, I wasn't able to open my own account without a co-signer. Yeah. So my dad could see all this money that was outgoing, and he came by the house to see if I was still there, and they told him, like, no, i got kicked out.
1: Uh, where, where were you by that time?
2: I was uh, bouncing from hotel to hotel. They told me to just come back and just test clean. And at that point, I was like, no, fuck it, dude. Like, I'm going to a hotel, yeah. fucking, and I'm, like, because my friend was doing the same thing, and I was just like, you know, well... You know, we're both doing bad. I mean, maybe we can do bad together. Yeah. And, like, you know, so we we're doing goofballs in hotels and...
1: Bouncing around spending the money you had yeah. saved up.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, it didn't last very long. We were spending at least $100 a night just, like, you know, for, to have a roof over our head.
1: Plus all the drugs you're, you're and, cycling uh, through.
2: at that point, like, you know, I made it, like, a couple weeks. Yeah. And at that point, like, it was all... It all ran out. My friend had no like plan. He just said he was going to go 5150 himself just what? to try to get like a, a spot. Which yeah, I thought was kind of like extreme.
1: He's a little bit.
2: I came tra- calling back to like house to try to, uh, you know, at this point, like my parents had like cut me off. My, my mom called me and said my dad was in the hospital. Mm. And My dad went to check himself into the hospital because like, he was so stressed out. that he didn't know how to do, deal with anything. And I, so I, I put my dad in there, and I, that's one, like, amends that I have to make to my dad. Yeah. Like, I was such a piece of shit, son, of. Oh, yeah. Like know what I mean? Like, I, 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 didn't, and I didn't mean to. I mean, I was just, course. Uh, you know, I was just really suffering.
1: Yeah, you weren't, you weren't intending But, I mean, to I really that.
2: used my dad, you know what I mean? My dad, like, even, like, I had a really nice setup, even, like, in sober living. I had no excuse to, like, you know, be doing the stuff that I was doing.
1: Well, I mean, it's not an excuse. We're just afflicted, you know. I put my mom through. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't. I, I'm surprised the emotional trauma didn't do more damage to my mom. Yeah. That it did. Like, so I
2: tried getting back to. I tried getting back to new house. At this point, like I had like, um, I had staff infection all up my arm from using a dirty needle. Uh, my friend, like he had like this needle, like it was. I like, had had Hep C. And stupidly, I thought, like, oh, if I just hold the lighter up to it, like, just burn <laughs> off, the, like, the hep C. And, uh, you know, for those of you out there, like, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does not.
1: Yeah. Um.
2: And, uh, like, so I had to wear, like, long sleeves to cover it up, and it was hot out. Ugh. So this made me, like, like, really, like, I just looked like a wreck. Yeah. I even had, like, a little bit on my face. Like, you can see, like, a little, I had, like, a little tiny, little Oh, yeah, I have staff just looked, scars yeah. on my face. And, um, I tried going back and my, the, I looked so bad that the sober living manager was like, you can hang out outside on the Palapa, but like, I don't want you around in like the general population. I don't want guys to see you. That might be a trigger.
1: Oh, for sure.
2: For them. Yeah. And then like, I wait to like test. Mm-hmm. Cause I tried to go to eat there. Like, you know, to have meals there. Okay. He's like, I'll you least to the book study, but if you want to like eat or something like that, you have to like give me a test. And I gave him a test and I was, it was a 12 panel. I was dirty for seven out of the 12 things. Holy on shit. The and they were like, they'd never seen anything like it. They even showed me the test and like half of it was just like one solid line. <laughs> so at that point, like I, like I had like no energy. I was coming down off like a bunch of different things.
1: That must have been horrible.
2: Yeah. My mom bought me a hotel room for two nights. Uh-huh. And she said, this is the last thing I'm giving you.
1: And did you, what, did you, you kicked in the hotel? or? I
2: kicked in the hotel for the first day. The second day, was too much. I called my friend. I had a tablet. I had a Samsung Galaxy tablet. <sighs> and I traded it for, like, 80 cc's oh of heroin. Oh, God. I don't even know if it was that much. Yeah. I think I might have been, like, 60 cc's. Oh, shit. It was, like, one good shot. Yeah. And then I had my friend front me, like, $20 worth of Coke. Mm-hmm. That he had. Like, he had a tiny bit Coke left. And oh. that was the last thing that I did. I did that about, like, th- two in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. And then...
2: And then I woke up, and it was a couple hours. I hadn't slept. Yeah. Had no money. My ca- I mean, my, ca- my bank account was actually overdrawn. Oh, shit. Um... Was walking around like on like Upper State like three in the morning, four in the morning, looking for like little snipes of cigarettes. For <laughs> <finding> <laughs> Refry set. Because I had lost my vape, I lost. That's what I do. Like when I like once I start getting really heavy into this thing, I start losing chargers, I start losing vapes, yep. start losing like, you know, crack my phone. Ugh. Um, and I, um, I reached out and called that same guy that I that I built out that... Those many years ago, yeah, I still like would see him like from time to time at meetings, but he'd been doing the deal for like a long time. You know, he has like five years over me. Oh shit! And I called him, and he had offered for me to go to like you know to go to where I'm at now like a couple years ago, and I was turned off by it because it was just like twelve month program. I didn't want to do a twelve month thing. Yeah, you know, so he let me stay at his place for like a week until I got back into sober living. But it was just like this is like a couple years ago. But it was just a matter of time until I was going to go back to my old ways. Yeah. And uh, this time I called him and I told him, like, this dude, this time I really mean it. Like, give me direction and I'll follow it. Yeah. And I had nowhere else to go. So I left that hotel a couple hours before my checkout time. I think it was like 11 in the morning. Came down. Uh, they said interviews aren't until like Friday. This was like on like a Monday.
1: Ugh. Uh And
2: um, that was a very long day. Yeah. It was a very long day. It was hot out. I I you know I had like one I had like a a, a bag full of all my stuff. Yeah. It was like one of those plastic um, like grocery bags, reusable bags. Yeah. Had all my stuff in it, all disorganized. Um, <clears> and uh, you know I had to wear like this long sleeve shirt to cover up all like the staff on my arm. And the staff like hurts like if you touch like you know if you. Oh do yeah. That. And like. And it was hot, and like I just I just know that like people like would like look look at me and like they would know. Oh yeah. That, like I was, I was not doing too good. Yeah. Went to a book study that night, and like didn't retain anything from it. No, I mean, how could was, you? Everyone looked like they were like doing like so good, and I just felt so bad. Cause you felt out like, of place. I'm sure. Yeah, I had a nice setup in my room. I had like you know like. Playstation, my flat screen TV I had, and all that stuff was just like, I, I can't believe how different my life was like a couple weeks later. Fuck. I mean, it's just like, it, it, the amount of damage I did in that short period of time just getting caught from that relapse was just like, it takes some people like a year's worth of damage to get like that fast. Yeah. Um, came in and interviewed and my buddy let me stay at his in his garage on his couch. Uh-huh. And, um, I would get up in the morning and I would go to like central office. Like I remember my sobriety date, I got up at like six in the morning and I felt like I was just so groggy, you know, he gave me like five bucks and like, you know, I I had nothing to And, um, you know, I went down like the bus and like I went to central office, it opens up at nine Mm -hmm. and they have like these little couches and they just let me like sit there and just read the big book. And, Fuck. like, so I'm ever so grateful to Central Office. Yeah. Um, because, like, you know, that's that's what got me reintroduced to, like, the book. You know, I ended up getting the same sponsor. And um, it took me, I was really grateful. It took me about a week to get in here. Mm-hmm. But it was a long week. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, by the time I got in here, I was really ready to do it. And they give me antibiotics before. So by the time I got in here, it was all, you can look at my arm, you can't really see like the, um, the staff. You can't really see the staff. They have little tiny, like little pink. Yeah. Scarred, yeah. But I mean, that'll eventually fade. Yeah. Um,
1: wow, dude.
2: But uh, I look, I look very different now than I did. In March, March was a very hard month for me. Um,
1: that's when you got yeah, in.
2: That's when I got it. I got in April fourth. April fourth was my admission day of this year.
1: April 4th, I got in April 24th. I was, ten
2: day, I was 10 days clean when I got in here. So whenever, I I, I always know how many days I have clean because I just look at the roster, see how many days I've been in the program, and I just add 10 to that. So
1: you've been in here like 20 days more than me.
2: Yeah, a few weeks more. Oh,
1: holy shit. Yeah. That's so crazy to imagine that like at one point in time, I was super strung out fucking my life over overdosing and somewhere out there in, you know, in the fucking realm or the fucking stratosphere, you're out doing the same thing. And then we, like, this place brought us into where we're meeting now. Yeah. That's fucking crazy.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, at the point, like, at the time, like, in during March, I would have given anything to, like, be able to do something like this. Or yeah. even be in here. I mean, this place was, like, this was, like, gold. Everything I can do in here is, like... My worst moments in here are, like, gold compared to, like, some of my best moments.
1: Out there on time. the streets, yeah. I
2: mean, it, it sounds kind of cheesy to say, but, I mean, it literally... It was.
1: No, yeah. That sounds fucking awful.
2: Yeah.
1: Um How many... Okay, oh, first of all, how many sober livings have you been to in total in your life?
2: I've been to two. Okay. No, no, three.
1: Three. Three. Oh, okay. Two,
2: like, long-term ones, so I, there's there's two here in Santa Barbara and then there was one that I went to briefly um, wh- like one time when I got kicked out like in 2018 so I've been kicked out of both like multiple times like over like <laughs> the last couple years so I'd get like my patterns I'd get a few months and then i get caught I'd get a few months and then i get, get, yeah. get caught the longest I ever had was like 8 months and that's just because I didn't get caught
1: so um, but the whole
2: time I like I was in there I'd, I would, I'd never put together more than 30 days Jesus. So people that think that chronic relapse yeah. like me. So people that think that 30 days isn't a big deal, 30 days is a very big deal. Yeah. Especially near the end, like 24 hours was like I couldn't get 24 hours. I would also take dirty chips to kind of give people like the, the, give the
1: facade, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um like when I stand up and take like take like 5, 6 month chips when I didn't even qualify for a newcomer chip cuz you have technically have to have 24 hours.
1: Yeah.
2: Um did that for did that for a long time, because at that point, like when I when I went from like, because most of the people that I knew, like like I said, like they they don't stay at Oshana for that long. they They not yeah. stay there for a couple of years, they go to like UCSB or or somewhere else. Yeah. So those those friends, they moved on.
1: So now you don't really have that many people. Yeah, in and life. it's not like
2: they weren't like my friends to begin with. I mean, like you know, I don't regret the times that I have with them. It was just like it was just that one period my life, and then it's just like, they move on. Yeah. And, um, at that point, that's when I would, you know, I was, like, pushed into going into sober living, but I didn't have any, like, like, I burned all the other bridges. I burned all the other options that I had, but I didn't want to be sober. Yeah. But I was willing to have a roof over my head and to have, like, you know, you know, a few meals, like, especially if my parents were, like, fronting the bill for it. Yeah, of course. just have my cake and eat it, too, which is really selfish to me, but...
1: Well, we're addicts, so... What, what do you, okay, so w- I want to know what you think of this experience here. Like, what has recovery been like for you now that you're here? Like, what's the difference between, well, not the difference, I mean, obviously you just, you said that, like, back then you didn't want to get clean. You yeah. were kind of just doing that to kind of appease your parents or appease other people.
2: I also did, want it, I just did it because of, like, I wanted the fellowship but I didn't want to stay sober so i i I you know they say you oh well you can't have both yeah and for a little bit I did have both, and I and eventually it just it came back to bite me in the end,
1: oh yeah, it always yeah
2: because I saw other people doing good, and I knew that they were doing good, and I was wondering why I couldn't do it
1: yeah, I was the exact it's not way. that I wasn't
2: smart enough to get it I mean you know no you're the only thing is like you can be too smart for this thing
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I would overthink it. And I would uh I would f- always think I could cheat the system, you know? Yeah. Or get around it. Like, oh I can do this my way, I can use yeah. it on the weekends, or I can do it this way. It might way. have been
2: easier if I wasn't like in sober living where everything was like monitored. Yeah. I mean it wasn't like this is kind of like a maximum security kind of thing. Oh
1: yeah, they we're we're safeguarded like to the T. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm fearful of sober livings for the reason that, you know, I mean, I, I would go, if I were to go to any sober living, I want to go to the one that's here at this facility. Because I hear so many fucking horror stories about sober living, like, oh, everyone's loaded at that one. They're all getting away with it.
2: Well, the other one that I was, that I was talking about that I went to briefly, you don't have to test clean in order to get in. Mm hmm And that's what, um... That's what it did. It's like, well, I'm here and I'm dirty. I might as well stay that way. Yeah, Cause then exactly. Because like, then it's like I can kind of bend it. It's just like, oh, well, I was, I mean, I was t- dirty when I came in. Like before, I mean, you have to test clean in order to get in. Yeah. So it's like if you're dirty, all of a sudden afterward, I mean, it's like something, you No, know, like something happened.
1: I think, yeah. And, you know, I think, I think it's just kind of silly to think that you take someone in and they're not doing like the deal that we're doing in here. And then you just throw them into sober living. It's still too much freedom for for them and they're going to find ways to cheat the system. I mean, we have people in this very program that find ways to cheat the system and and do it successfully for a little bit, but eventually you can't hide shit in this program. Like, um, I did a lot of research because I did a lot of research before choosing this place to go to and I've heard horror stories about the Salvation Army or Crash or or even Cry Help or all these other places where I'm just like,
2: so I went to a Salvation Army program briefly when I was 21. Really? And I did a six-month program, yeah.
1: You did the whole program?
2: I did.
1: That must have been horrible. I heard it's just like a work camp, basically.
2: Yeah.
1: With a little bit of meetings and recovery thrown in.
2: Yeah, that's what the nickname "Slave Slavation
1: Army. Came <laughs> from. Slavation Army? I you haven't never heard, heard that? that ever. Yeah, That's fucking hilarious. I would take hilarious. credit for that if I came up with it, but I didn't. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I've known people that go into Salvation Army and they just told me nothing but just like, dude.
2: Well, I did the marijuana maintenance thing like right when I got out. Because I was like still yeah, 21. Yeah, I did that. My girlfriend at the time was like, had become like a big pothead like when I went in. Mm-hmm. And like there was no way I was
1: like, Well, yeah, if you're going to date a pothead and it's always around yeah. you, the smell of it alone is going to be like, so it's dude. funny, she
2: became a pothead while I was in the program. She wasn't like. Really? Yeah. We got caught like smoking like we at her parents' house and her parents wouldn't let me come over. Oh my god! And she was like eighteen, and oh, uh, she was still staying at home. Yeah. And she like she's like, well, we should just both quit doing that. But she would let me take pills. She would let me pop ecstasy and drop acid in each room. Oh, but so we, can't we
1: can't smoke weed. weed. Yeah. That's so it fucking crazy. Um, um, that's so funny. Yeah. What so? Um, what do you think has changed for you now? Like what? I mean, obviously you were. I think, from the sounds of it, you were beaten down to the point of where you actually had to admit you had a problem to the extent that you needed something outside of yourself. Like what has recovery been for like, what has recovery been for you like now? Like, because I hear you share and lead meetings and you have a lot of like great shit to say. You're very articulate and you talk about some awesome shit, but like what is the recovery, not just being here in this program, but the recovery experience overall, the fellowship, the steps, all that, like, what what do you, how do, would you describe it to someone who has never lived that, you know?
2: You're gonna, you're gonna find a point in your life where everything's gonna come full circle. Yeah, And it's, it, it might not be like this white lightning experience. Yeah. People actually, like, rarely ever get that. Like, they describe it as, a like rocketed into the fourth dimension. That doesn't happen very often. I just remember just waking up and then just, uh, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, the obsession had just been removed. You know, because I always, like, that, that, like, I always had, like, that idea on retainer. I always had the, it's just, like, you know, you know, if, if the the opportunity presented itself, would I be spiritually fit enough to deal with it? Mm -hmm. And then, um, something happened, my cousin, um, my cousin drowned earlier this year. He had, like, I think he might have had, like, a seizure, but he was next to his pool, Fuck. And he fell into his pool and no one was there to, and it was just kind of like a freak accident. No one was able to, um, to help him out. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry to hear that.
2: Yeah, so this was at the end of June. This was June 30th. Actually, um, tomorrow's August 11th. He would have been, uh, 32. Tomorrow's his birthday. Because my birthday's July 11th, so we were like a month apart for yeah. the same year. Um, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like...
2: And, and I was able to, I was the kind of guy that would go out for anything. Like, even if, like, it didn't Oh, have well, to even be, the littlest it, it of it things. Yeah, it yeah. didn't even have to be, um, it didn't even have to be, like, a, like, a certain, like, event or anything, like, traumatic that happened. I could just be bored. I remember one time I led a meeting, and I got a text message from one of my, like, Adderall guys at like 15 Minutes Later... And I was just like, yeah, I'll go hop on the bus. It was just like clockwork. I mean, it's just oh, yeah, at you that g- point, it's just like you know, there's like there's like a committee in my head that runs that runs those kind of things. It's Even almost, though I know that I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. I know that like if I get caught, I'm gonna get kicked out. It's just the the desire for wanting to feel that like I feel so uncomfortable in my own skin that it's worth putting like it's worth putting a gamble on having a roof over my head and having all this stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, when I do get caught, it's just like, well, fuck. I mean, it's just like, I got what I deserved. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be, I can't be mad at anybody. You know, I can't, you know,
1: yeah, I, I described it as like a third person or third perspective where it's like you're at, like outside of your body watching yourself do it and you have no control over your actions. You're yeah. just like, your mind is so set on fucking doing it, you see yourself doing it and you can't stop yourself, you know. I'd be walking up to ATM machines and... I would be getting, pulling out money to go buy oxy or heroin or whatever. And I'd have like the faintest voice saying, oh, you know, you don't have to do this right now. Like, you know, you don't have to like pull out money and go get loaded. But then the fucking urge or the drive or desire or obsession or whatever was so, would overpower and drown out that voice to such an extent. It was like, no, fuck that. You're doing this. Like this is happening. So I'd almost just watch myself like function and act. To go score drugs. But yet, like, a part of me... Oh, it was just so fucking weird. Like, it's... It's like... It's like a possession, almost. Whereas like, I was not the same. I was in no way, in shape, for any form, the same person I am now.
2: Yeah. At that point, it's just like... It's like... Like, visually, it's like a POV. It's like being John Malkovich.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. That's the perfect, like, metaphor description of it. Um, So, you know... You're it's like in, I'm
2: watching all this stuff happen, and it's just like it's just like I, you know it's like I, I'm my own captive. It's like you're watching
1: your the a movie or something, and yeah. it's like you you have no control over what's yeah. what happens next. Yeah, that's fucked up, dude. Um, so,
2: but, I mean, if my life were a movie right now, I mean, this would have to be like the director's cut.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: You because know? this is like you know this is you know, and they say like in the big book, you know, it's just like you know we're trying to like run the run those run the show you know oh yeah
1: i'm a control freak i've always been a control freak even the things that were completely out of my control i'd i'd still my brain would race and say well there's got to be a workaround there's got to be a solution yeah. i can find myself yeah. and then when it all blow up in my face i'd be like oh well, i'm gonna go use now you know yeah. fuck it like well, that's every my reaction. time,
2: every time i can just say that every time that i try to do it put a, a different type of twist on it it's always ended um it's always ended in a burnout somehow.
1: Yeah, a burnout. That's... Um, so what do you? What are your, pl- like, what plans do you have? Or do you even future trip? Or do you think about what? I future trip
2: a lot, yeah, about getting into, um, into, like, a later phase, about getting into, like, the work phase. Yeah. Sometimes I see people and, like, you know, they're about to graduate and I kind of wish that I was already there. But I get advice from people that have already graduated and say, like, you know, like, the only thing you got like when you get out of here like a bunch of bills and like you know life and stuff like that, is Just enjoy this time. It's just like this one year. It's like a twelve gonna, months of You're not gonna get another. You're not gonna get another shot at this.
1: Yeah, that's the way I feel. I feel. Because you like can't do
2: this program again after you graduate. No. Well, a lot of people don't know that, and like it's it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, and that's what's crazy. Is like if you. Because
2: I mean, it's like I mean, it's all donated stuff. I mean, if you can repeat this program over and over again. People would just
1: keep doing it. Yeah, they they, they would have no funds. Like yeah. Yeah, like um, that trips me out because people can relapse and come back in the program, uh, maybe once. Yeah, like I've seen once. that, and
2: that's it's still under review. Yeah, exactly. It's still under review. That's if a case you, by if case you do basis. It and you're like giving other people stuff.
1: Oh, the like, fuck no! Then you're not, zero yeah. zero tolerance for that. Like yeah. if you
2: came in like and was doing the same thing with that kid did, like stockpiling his medication and like trying to sell it off, like they wouldn't. No. They
1: would just be like, no. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. Um, so. What is your plan for when you get out of here?
2: I want to get back in. I want to get back into screenwriting.
1: And you go to sober living and go back to school. Yeah. How long do you think you're going to stay in sober living for?
2: Uh, maybe like six months up to a year.
1: Yeah, that's my plan. At the least six months to a year, because I like. That's the thing is like we just talked about this before. My best friend graduated from this program like, a couple months before you got here, and in March this this year. He went back out, and I actually just released a podcast talking about the whole thing, and uh, and uh, I don't know where he is. I, I, I'm assuming I assuming he, he came to grad- graduation. And it looked like he was doing a lot better, but uh, I, I don't see him at meetings. I don't see him talking to – we have the same sponsor. I don't see him talking to our sponsor. I, he doesn't come back around here. Usually people who graduate this program, they come back to visit all the time. But I, I don't know where his head's at. He's actually the co-host of this podcast. We started this together. And uh, I feel, or my f- biggest fear is that he's just, even if he is clean now, he's white knuckling it to a pre or a relapse or whatever. Uh, and that he is feeling so much shame and guilt over what happened that he doesn't want to show his face around. Him. But it's like, what I've noticed is like the fellowship opens everyone with open arms. So it's like... And then and what scares me too is like so many people that do graduate, even if they graduate this program, they go right back out. So I've seen
2: that happen. That's that's very commonplace. Yeah. And um even people that have like done like the Val Victorian speech. Yeah. Like the people that you would not have expected
1: Exactly. Like, like like Ryan. Um oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. That's that's my best friend Ryan. That yeah, like he
2: Oh, it's the same guy.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's, we met in jail in San Luis Obispo. I you, like,
2: I never, I would have bet money on the fact that he would never would have gone out. That was crazy. I know, crazy.
1: Like, I know, me too. See, like that
2: happened.
1: Oh, yeah, the change, he helped me That's just get, supposed to show
2: you can't call it. No, you can't. You can't call it at all.
1: No, he, uh, he put in a good word to the people here to help get me in. Yeah. Him and, uh, Travis, you know, like, so it's just like. But I
2: also used to be the kind of guy that you'd look at and be like, yeah, he's not even going to make it 30 days. Yeah, exactly. I have, like, a little over four and a half. I have, like, four and a half months.
1: That's amazing. I mean, the thing... My biggest fear is... Like, four and a
2: half, like, actual months.
1: Yeah, in a row. (laughs) Yeah,
2: like, consecutive, not concurrent.
1: Not (laughs) Not concurrent, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like, that's my... One of my biggest fears is that this place... I mean, this place is, like... First of all, the great things about it, it's formulated so great and tried and true to that they give you all the tools you need to maintain a sober lifestyle for the rest of your life if you choose to uh, utilize those tools, right? But um, like it's also safeguarded as much as possible from the outside world. But when you're, even if you graduate, you're, and, like, especially if you don't go to sober living, you're kind of thrust into the outside world, left to your own devices. So it's, like, it's really up to you on that point to go to meetings, go, uh, call your sponsor, continue to work all the steps that you learned here, and and do all that. So it's, like, uh, I am, you know, my I have ADD, ADHD, OCD. I say all the D's and double D's of se- severe mental illness. But uh, it's, like, um I think about the future a lot. I future trip a lot when I shouldn't. But, um, and I know it's cliche, but they're like, yeah, just do it one day at a time. But I always think of the future like, how am I going to prep and prepare for when I do make it out of here? You know, and the biggest thing I can think of is staying sober living for at least six to 12 months while I am working, going to school and just put, don't put any of that shit in, uh, uh, above my recovery.
2: That's also like I, I just don't want to rush it. Sometimes I, I, I sometimes like you know all the program elements like feels like it's a, and the staff can seem so militant at times that oh I'm yeah. just like man, you're like when is it gonna I, be I just over wish I, I just wish I was in like you know like last phase, but
1: um, mm-hmm.
2: you know and, and that just reminds me to just like you know slow down. Yeah, just me be too. Like, because like it it is gonna go by.
1: Well, the thing I think, too, is especially when you're an intravenous drug addict, you're so used to instant gratification and achieving that yes. at our disposal. Yes. So it's like, you know, we we always think of the the end result or the, the final destination. And we don't think of the journey that led us up to there. We just want to already be rehabilitated. But it's like it's that long journey through like the first three phases that will get you to be prepared and ready for phase four, you know, um, and it's like, it's I think it's gonna go by a lot faster than we think. I think like we're gonna turn our heads one day and we're gonna already be in fourth phase and prepping to be out of this program. So like I'm almost I also have to constantly remind myself I I want to. I, I don't want it to go by that fast because it's so easy once you get past 60 days you can sign out walk up and down State Street you can you know go do this go do that and uh, I, I find myself distracting myself here and there with you know going to the library or or w- watching the TV room like we got a 72 inch TV upstairs we just watched a badass movie I mean I should have been like writing more men's letters but oh hey
2: I, I pre-ordered a Soul Eater Oh, did you? You ever, you've seen Soul Eater before?
1: I've seen a, f- a little bit of it.
2: It's like it looks really cartoonish. Yeah. That's what it's about. They go to like that the the, the academy to, to collect. Yeah, souls.
1: yeah, you were telling me about yeah. that. I need to get all my anime DVDs so down So I'll here. get
2: that in like a week or two.
1: So you you've you've already worked all the 12 steps, right? I'm on
2: step 12 right now.
1: I am too. I thought like the like I have, like, what, 90, 100 days? I thought I'd... I, hitting step 12... Back when I was using... I was like, damn, like... took me weeks just to get past step one, and then I never got past it. But they, they kind of, like, hit you hard with this, like, program. It's yeah. fucking crazy. But, um... I, th- I think they've been doing it, the the whole program and the steps here, for so long. They kind of have perfected it and fine tuned it as much as possible to hit you with everything you need here i think the genesis counseling thing's amazing then that the you and i will be going in the learning center like within a matter of
2: i think i should be getting it next week because richie just because
1: yeah richie's it's, it's, just phasing just up. Phased up yeah so they'll be opening for you and there's a few people between you and me so yeah i'll, I'll be getting in soon too and that'll be fucking a blessing because then i get to actually work on stuff out. yeah i don't know um all right we're at what is an hour and 27 minutes i got fucking work crew in the morning okay it's gonna suck yeah. ass uh but before we go is there any imp- like last imposing words of wisdom you want to you want to give to anyone listening out there who may be struggling or using maybe not even necessarily struggling but just to anyone listening is there anything last thing you want to say
2: yeah, I just want to say that uh, if you are struggling, uh, it wasn't that long ago that I felt exactly like you, mm-hmm. and um, you know there there is a solution if if you if you want one, and it's you know it it's it's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. You know, because if it if it was easy, I would have done it a long time ago, and um, I mean if if. You know, if I can do it, then, you know, a lot of the people can do it. Because I naturally have a very addictive personality. And I was I was the kind of person that, like, I should have been doomed uh, to, you know, an alcoholic or a drug-induced death. Yeah. But, you know, now I'm living a spiritual life. And uh, it wasn't very long ago that that wasn't the case. It very feels true. crazy to say. Yeah, it does. I feel, I, I mean, I feel, I mean, it's... You know, I feel almost like deja vu, like sitting on my friend's couch, um, waiting to get in here, calling in every day, Um, you know, where I I was really future tripping then, you know. Yeah. I was really future tripping then, because it's just like, you know, because they they say focus just on here, what can you do right now? Well, it's like, right now, it's just like, I'm like burning up. Yeah. And, um, you know, to be in this kind of now, as opposed to that kind of now is uh it's pretty insane.
1: Definitely. In a good way. Yeah. Well, with that, I just want to let you know it's been a fucking honor getting to know you. You've been always like super awesome in the house. You're super chill with everybody and you you lead by I mean, I I don't know if you know this or think this, but you do lead by example here and you show the newcomers how to do it. You your fucking shares are amazing. And um like, when I was fresh and uh, you started talking to me and, like, I'd hear you at meetings, it fucking inspired the the shit out of me. So I want to thank you for that. Um, and, and, again, you're always welcome back on any time, you know. Um, I know it's going to be getting, life is going to be hitting us, like, faster and faster with every day here. But, you know, I feel like you're, like... I look at you as like a lifelong friend that we will maintain friendship even once we're out of here. So.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we we already have like similar like interests, like in media and stuff like that. Exactly. Like, you know, when I whenever I have like a song that like I know that you would like, I show. it. You show just me just, the like, coolest that. fucking songs, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like because I know that it's just like
1: you know your yeah. vibe to this. Oh right? yeah, we're gonna be trading. We're like, gonna be we're swapping very, songs. We're
2: used to like media. Like and that's like what I wanted like pursue like as a
1: career. And you know what? We'll b- we'll both be going to Santa Barbara City College. I'm gonna need your advice on how to like format a screenplay or a script. Oh yeah. Like I'm gonna need, I need I need to pick your brain for that okay. because that's. Now I want to learn some
2: like music stuff.
1: Oh for sure! Yeah, like. Like how to use like Ableton and like all this other stuff. Ableton's insane, dude! Like.
2: I used to use like Fruity Loops. For I you see, FFL I did. Studio. I
1: started on FL Studio too. But you
2: know what's crazy? Martin Garrix uses makes all his stuff in FL Studio. I
1: know there's some really good producers that use FL Studio, but I, I I don't know how they do it because it's like the navigation for that is like you have to move screens and windows around with Ableton. It's just like it, I just it works with my brain better. Yeah. But like I, I shit you not,
2: Marshmallow uses Ableton.
1: A lot of people do. I got Ableton for the simple fact that you can sync it with every other DAW. So if you do a collab with someone, you could like put them two together and like. But like I, I shit you not Mike, uh, like for the first three years I bought I had I I, I, I uh, cracked Ableton at first and I never, I kind of toyed with it. But when I actually bought Ableton, the first three years I would just stare at it and be so overwhelmed with all the possibilities. I didn't know I I wouldn't I wouldn't even fuck with it. I was just like, how the fuck? Like how am I gonna comprehend all this shit, dude? I was used to like, like really simple like. Beat sequencers and stuff, and I would just stare at it for years, being like, "I don't know how to use this." And then it will, it, and then finally, like, I started just diving in and just fucking with knobs until I got a hold of it. I actually use Ableton to edit these podcasts, and uh, it's not really built as much for podcasts like uh, Adobe. Was it Illustrator or not Illustrator? Is it Adobe Premiere? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um no, yeah, I. I, uh, I mean. I'll I'll show you all that shit. It's it's so much fucking fun. Yeah. Okay. And and but the thing is it's like you you got to take it one thing at a time cuz the possibilities are endless. There's always like thousands of ways to do the same thing on there. It's just like insane the way the workaround is like uh I don't know if you know there's this producer I used to um hang out with at shows when I'd promote his name was G Jones and it's like you could use v- VSTs and plugins like Massive or uh uh all these other things for like um Making synths and stuff, but literally, he makes everything with just Ableton and no add on added plugins, and it sounds fucking amazing. So, it's like there's always something new to do. It's like, it's like unlimited possibilities of what you can do on there, but anyway. Yeah you guys I ha- oh, I have to do work crew tomorrow. I have to serve food to the homeless all day tomorrow. It's going to suck because I haven't done work crew once since we started work crew. My work crew like cuz you know how they um they 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 do it so like every have 7 to black weeks, out. Yeah, you have a week of blackout. Our work crew was work crew 7, so our first week we just had off. So now I have to start tomorrow. And I have to wake up at 5:30. So I I got to I, I think I need to pop some melatonin and, and get this and mellow out this. Do you have full, any? I have yes. like three in my drawer. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. My I. My dad bought me like
2: a bunch of them. Oh,
1: fuck. Yeah, dude. I, I was, I've been I, I also got
2: these dissolvable ones that are
1: really good. Those, yeah, yeah. I got some of my Trader Joe's that were good. The 10 milligram ones. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, you guys. Uh, fuck. um I don't know what else to say you guys. I'm pretty scatterbrained at the moment, but uh I'm just going to try and keep getting you guys episodes. Uh, the feedback you guys have been giving me are it's fucking amazing. Like I can't thank you all enough. I I get feedback from uh, people in Australia, and Ireland, Switzerland. Shout outs to Patrick in Switzerland. I'm going to upload your episode soon. Uh, people in Canada, people in the, you know, in different parts of Europe. Um, you guys are all fucking amazing and I love you. I wouldn't be doing this still, uh, if it wasn't for you guys messaging me or emailing me or, 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 or anything and telling and giving me feedback and, and tweeting at, at me. Um, so, you know, if anything, these, all these episodes, like are continue, I can like somehow fight at the library to continually release. That's thanks to you guys. Um, because if, 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 I didn't have that, then I would probably, I would have probably just said, fuck this, you know um, so I just wanted to thank you guys for that uh, obviously, I've said this a million times, uh, email is podcast at gmail.com um, I, I, I signed, I don't know, like, I'm just honestly, like, uh I'm kind of having Marcus run our social media right now I'll get on Twitter, and if you want to get tweet at me, it's going to be me responding. If it's Instagram, it's going to be Marcus. Facebook, it's going to be either me or Marcus. Uh, but we really – our main goal right now is to get our likes up on all social media just so that we can eventually get um, a sponsor, sponsor deal, which is like I'm sure – any sponsor who actually listens to our podcast would be like, "Oh, a bunch of fucking dope fiends running a podcast. We're not gonna trust them with any amount of money." But who knows? If I could do this for a living, I will. And you know, maybe I can prove to you guys. I'll I, <laughs> I'll utilize that money in a in a in a in a productive manner. Uh, but that is future tripping in itself. Like right now, I don't make a dime doing this, and I'm glad. I'm happy to because I just love doing this. Um, so. Uh, for now, if you guys can just, I don't know, like rep, like if you don't like our social media, please like it or hit the like, but, or the like icon on our, our pod episodes on, on that account. Just, uh, and also, you know, if you're a fan of this podcast and, um, and enjoy what we do, like refer it to a friend who may be have similar interests, you know, or, uh, I don't know, you know, Oh, one other thing. Um, I was featured on a, another podcast. Um, the psycho psychotropic podcast, the last, uh, newest episode, um, Phil from psychotropic had me on and tell my, to tell my story. And, um, it, it it's, um, I would like to, I, I like to say it's a much bigger podcast than this one and uh, I think it came out really well and um, if you're listening to this and you were uh, you came here because you heard me on psychotropic then welcome uh, I love you guys uh, thank you for I hope you enjoy that episode it's formatted a little differently than this one but um, you know I hope you enjoy this one just as uh, just as well I'm not nearly as professional as he is Um... <laughs> But uh, I do I you know I make do with what I can so and and if you haven't and if you're just a regular listener and if you haven't heard uh, me on Psychotropic, go check out the Psychotropic podcast uh, and it'll say Brian from Nod Squad. I I think it went it came out sounding amazing and if you're listening, Phil, I just want to shout you out and say thank you for having me on. That was fucking amazing experience. I I got to listen to it and and it sounds it sounds amazing, and I had a lot of fun having you on my podcast and being on yours. So um, I'd love to collab again anytime. But with that, I'm just rambling at this point. So everyone out there, I hope you all are staying safe and staying strong. And, um, you know, (laughs) if you're just some party kid who just is going to use, whether I say I don't condone or, or don't advise you to use drugs, then I guess party on, but do it safely and responsibly. Because I I don't think just saying no d- works. It didn't work for me. But at the very least, if you're gonna use drugs, regardless of what I say, just don't do needles. That's the only thing I'll say. Just don't do needles. That's just that's where it takes a turn for the worse. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I love you guys, and uh, uh, you'll be hearing from me again. So uh, I'm again this is Unk signing off. Uh, peace, love, all the above. <laughs>